Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. It is the first day of November, and that means uh, the monthly charity poker tournament over at the South Point uh, Hotel is uh, on tomorrow, Tuesday. Remember, it's the first Tuesday uh, of every month. Uh, every first Tuesday of the month, South Point Main Poker Room, buy-in is $60. Uh, then you can uh, rebuy as much as you want uh, until the end of the first break. Uh, prizes are 50% off. Um uh, to chefs for kids and 50% off to prize pool. Uh, there's first place, second place, third place. It's brought to you by Demon Rum and Embajador Tequila, uh, our great friends from Embajador uh, and, and Demon. South Point Hotel, uh, start, it, start, it starts at 6 o'clock. Uh, it's a monthly charity poker tournament, and it, um, it really does help uh, some great causes uh, over with uh, chefs for kids. Um, no doubt about it. So if you're in the area, definitely, and you like to play poker, and I know a lot of people do, uh, go check them out at South Point, the main poker room tomorrow, uh, first Tuesday of every month. Going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. By the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, going out to the Raider Nation uh, guest line and welcoming in my good friend uh, from the Las Vegas Review Journal, Sam Gordon. Uh, you can download all of his work uh, and my work over at Vegas Nation. That's the app, um, or just go to VegasNation.com uh, and check out everything that we have over at the Las Vegas Review Journal. Stories, videos podcasts um photo essays the whole nine yard uh sam how you doing my friend doing good Vinny. happy monday how are you happy monday uh for sure and uh certainly it was a uh, a positive last 24 hours for the raiders no question about it the los angeles chargers uh get beat by the new england patriots that means the raiders now have sole possession of first of first place in the afc west by a full game um and so they're atop the afc west they're also in uh, second place in the AFC in the AFC coming off their bye week. Not a bad way to spend their week. And then they wake up to, uh, this morning and Von Miller is no longer in the AFC West. He switches uniforms and cities and is on his way to Los Angeles to play for the Rams in a whole other conference and a whole other division. Uh, so that's good news for the Raiders. They're not to deal with Von Miller uh, again this year. They're playing the Broncos again December 26th, the day after uh, Christmas, over at Allegiant Stadium. So not a bad 24 hours for the Raiders, I imagine. No, not at all. Not at all. Now, like you said, the Raiders had this had this week to get healthy, right? By week to get healthy, to recharge a little bit after a couple relatively emotional victories given the circumstances of the first month and a half of the season. And now you have winnable games. You go to New York. We're going to see what they have tonight against the Kansas City Chiefs. It'll be a little bit of a a litmus test um, per se, and then Kansas City at home. I'm really curious uh, to see how Kansas City looks tonight. It's, it, there's a chance, Vinny. It might be a great 48 hours for the Raiders if the Giants you know, somehow take care of business um, at home. I'm a little dubious about writing the Chiefs off, per se, in terms of the division, but I'm certain that they're not the same team that they were the last couple of years. Uh, offensive line issues, running game, and then, of course, the defense. So, of all things considered, with the with the Chargers uh, sputtering, losing two games in a row, uh, and with, with like you said, with Von Miller taking off, um, kind of an end of an era there uh, in Denver. We've seen Von Miller, you know, in interviews be very emotional about that, and you know, next chapter for him in LA. It, it, this is a prime opportunity these next couple of weeks for the Raiders to really uh, seize their stranglehold on the division. Not something I thought I'd be saying a month ago or a month and a half ago, but but here we are, where the Raiders are five and two. Uh, playing well on both sides of the ball. The offensive line has improved. Still want to see a little more 
but it's improved. You got you got great quarterback play. You got a much better defense than you did last year, and you're getting healthy. So all things considered, I think the Raiders are at a a really good spot, and I wasn't so sure that was going to be the case three four weeks ago, but here we are. You can follow him at by Sam Gordon. Uh, he's my good friend, our good friend, uh, Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Okay, let's stay real quick with the Kansas City Chiefs. If the Giants hang a twenty five or thirty uh, on on the Chiefs tonight. The New York Giants. That's, let's just remind ourselves we're talking about the New York Giants. But if they are able to to hang, you know, some points uh, on the Chiefs, um, I know people are already concerned about the Chiefs' defense, and rightfully so. They're a sieve. Uh, but if a bat, not a very good offense like the Giants, uh, can can do that, how much? What does what level of concern are we looking at at that point? Um, serious, serious, serious concern. I think we've already seen it so far this year, Vinny. I think. Patrick Mahomes, there was always a, a controlled element to his chaos last year, right? He would he would get out over the last few, few years. He'd get out of the pocket. He would make plays. But at the same time, if there wasn't anything there, he had no problem taking the check down, throwing the ball out of bounds. He lived to fight another down. And I think part of the reason why I think he's pressing a little bit more and you're seeing more turnovers is because from a psychological standpoint, he knows he doesn't have a defense he can depend on anymore. And the Chiefs certainly weren't dominant on that side of the ball the last three years, but they, they were opportunistic. They, they made plays. They had playmakers. You weren't just going to go up and down the field on them. It wasn't a racetrack. And that's exactly what it's been this year. The Chiefs, the Chiefs have been getting, um, you know, the teams go up and down the field on them at will. doesn't matter what kind of style of offense you have, who your quarterback is. Uh, if you have a couple good skill position players and you've got a good game plan, you can move the ball. So if the Giants come out there and move the ball, then the, the Giants, right, no Saquon Barkley, no Kenny Galladay, and, uh, and Daniel Jones still, in my opinion, trying to find his way as an NFL quarterback. Not sure if it's going to be in, in New York. Not sure what, what, how they feel about him out there, but they, they haven't been winning since he's been in town. Take that for what it's worth. If that offense can do damage, then the Raiders should be salivating in a couple weeks because the Raiders, this is a Raiders offense. Let's not forget last year, they went into Arrowhead Stadium and hung 40 on them. And then when the Chiefs came to Allegiant Stadium last year, the Raiders had the lead with two minutes to go, and then Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. So uh, this is a Raiders team that I think matches up really well against Kansas City, particularly on the, on the offensive side of the ball with the improvements they've made. And, and um, it, it's, it's an important game for the Chiefs. They, they have to, I think they have no choice but to win this game if they want to you know, be in, in contention in the AFC West. And even the wild card, if you're 3-5 and five and that thing starts slipping away from you, then you, you know, you're looking at, you gotta, what do you got to go, 7-2 and two down the stretch? to possibly make the playoffs, and, and with that tough schedule, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So it's a huge game for the Chiefs tonight, and uh, I know I'll be watching closely. I'm sure the Raiders will be as well. No doubt about it. Uh, okay, um, we are uh, less than 24 hours away from the trade deadline. Uh, the Rams made a uh, typical kind of a Rams move. Uh, they traded a second-round pick and a third-round pick this year uh, to the Denver Broncos to go bring in Von Miller. Helps the Raiders, no doubt about it. Uh, that's somebody that they're not going to have to deal with uh, again this year, maybe uh, for a long time. Certainly helps uh, the Rams when you think about Von Miller and Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd as pass rushers, and you've got um, you know uh, Jalen Ramsey uh, back there at, at at cornerback. It's just it, make, it has all the makings of a Super Bowl team uh, in Los Angeles. I want to say that all of that to say this: where the Raiders are right now uh, in their roster construction and in their process of rebuilding their team, which I feel is as close to complete um, as it's been in a long, long, long time. 
if you're the Raiders and you know you've gotten yourself to this point now uh, with you know with your rebuild, could you start seeing a shift in how they look at things? Whereas they were accumulating draft picks uh, over these last four years, now maybe they'd be more willing to part with some of those draft picks uh, for impact veteran proven players, kind of like what the Rams have been doing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think I think that's the move to make, right? If if there is a a sensible trade, I know you know Fletcher Cox is a name that's been discussed to fortify that defensive front a little bit, like you talked about on our podcast, first and podcast, first and ten podcast, by the way. Vinny. That's right. Like you touched on this morning, um, some tricky cap a cap situation there, but he's the kind of player that I think could make an impact. Let, 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 let's just break it down. Five and two right now. The, the team that we presumed would be at the top of the division is reeling and clearly doesn't have as good of a roster uh, as they have in the last couple of years. And as we've seen from the Chargers, that's still a young football team in a lot of ways trying to find its way as well. A great foundation there. I think coach, uh, their new coach is doing a tremendous job, and Justin Herbert, clearly a franchise quarterback, but there's a consistency that we, haven't, that we have to see from them as they continue this process with that regime and with Justin Herbert at quarterback. This feels like an opportunity, Vinny, for the Raiders to win the division. Like, the division is there to be won, and that guarantees you a home playoff game. And if you handle business at home, then you're in the second round, and who knows what can happen. So given with where the Raiders are at and where the rest of the division is, if there's a player out there that they think that can help them right now and help them get to 11-6, and 12-5, whatever it might be, 10-7, I'm not sure what record is going to win the division. The Raiders are good. Like, they've, they've been good this year, and, and I would not be a seller. This is the time to be a buyer, uh, if anything. And um, there's still a little bit of time to make a move. If, if you can go out there and add somebody, now's the time to do it. Because you're not, you, we're not expecting Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes to stink forever. And Justin Herbert's only going to get better. So this feels like things are the, the, the seas are parting. The Raiders have to take advantage. And if that means a trade, then that means a trade. All right, Sam Mayock. I'm going <laughs> to um, put the power of it in your hands uh where are you looking what position are you looking for and any particular names that you might be uh keeping an eye on yeah i mean um, like i said cox i think would be the big one if they can find a way you know a restructure or something if, if they can contractually make that work um run defense has been a little bit of an issue this year uh at, at times i think that and he would certainly help fortify that another um experienced player won a super bowl several pro bowl appearances um, and is only 30, believe it or not. He's been in the league for, I think, nine or ten years now, but he's, he's still relatively young. And, and at that position, when you're an inferior defensive lineman, you see those players like that have a little bit more longevity just because of the nature of the position. So he was actually at Allegiant Stadium. You know, he kind of voiced some frustration with the situation in Philly, who's clearly, uh, you know, feels like they're teetering on a rebuild but aren't all the way in. That would help them rebuild their roster if you move off Fletcher Cox and are able to get an asset. Obviously, offensive line, I think if there's a way to add a veteran, um, I'm not sure there is because if you're a good team or if you're a team with a good veteran offensive lineman, like those, you don't really see those kind of players traded um, during the season. But if there is somebody out there that can help provide a little bit of depth, um, I think that'd be an interesting position as well. But for the most part, like you said, uh, this it does feel like it's a pretty complete team. We do want to see uh, additional improvement off the, on the offensive line. I think I know I do before. I'm certain that that group is – is ready to, to, to help this team make a run. But, I mean, the, the, all three levels of the defense are playing solid. You have great quarterback play. The, the, the skill position players uh, all complement one another. And uh, it's a team that's getting healthier. So uh, I think it, the, those two positions will be the big ones of need. But even if they stand pat, 
I still feel like where this roster's at right now is good enough um, to make a push for the playoffs, no doubt about it, at 5-2 and two in the driver's seat in the AFC West. Yeah, and, you know, I was going to uh, mention the uh, the offensive line. Um, you know, I, I know the plan was, you know, Andre James, and, you know, he seems to be progressively um, getting better. Uh, but there's a guy out there uh, named Jason Kelsey who could be had, and he's mm-hmm. the second-ranked uh, center um, in the league by Pro Football Focus. He would be uh, instant upgrade in terms of veteran leadership, seeing the game, understanding, you know, blocking coverages and, and uh, defensive schemes. Uh, he's also a tremendous run blocker, uh, and I think that the Raiders could definitely uh, use some help in that regard, especially in the interior. If somebody – I know that the plan was for Andre James, but – are you at a point where, hey, um, if you got to deviate from that to go get a, a more immediate help, would you be open to that? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, this this is an opportunity right now. This is the season, again, with where Kansas City's at, with where the Chargers are at, and clearly Denver, even though they might be a little bit better. I mean, they just traded one of the best players ever in franchise history. You don't do that if you, if you think you can win the division right now. Um, per se. So with the division being where it's at, if, if it were a trade, if, if he was available, if Kelsey was available and there's and, and they, if the teams can work out a deal, yeah, you deviate a little bit. And that doesn't mean that Andre James won't be a good player down the road or that he can't still benefit from backing up one of the best players at the position You know, over the last decade. If you talk about Jason Kelsey here, three-time first-team All-Pro, uh, four-time Pro Bowler, has a Super Bowl, like you said. He's been in all kinds of situations. He's seen it all. He's done it all. And, uh, again, still only uh, 33, turns 34 later this week. That's a position where, again, guys can play for a long time. You still figure that he has a couple good years left. And, like you said, one of the highest-graded offensive linemen in the league this year. That would fortify things quite a bit uh, up front. That's, that's been the issue throughout the course of the year for the Raiders, um, save for the last couple games. The first five games, there was definitely some struggles up there. And he would help. And, and listen, it's, this is an opportunity to win right now with where the division is at, with where the AFC is at as a whole, it's not just the division. I'm not sure we've seen a team separate itself from the pack in the AFC. I think most of the real Super Bowl contenders are the teams that have really stood out so far seem to be NFC teams. Uh, the AFC feels like it's pretty wide open, Vinny, with, with the Raiders already having a signature victory over the team that I think might be the best team in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens. If you can go out there and get a player that can help right now, go out and do it and, and, and figure out the rest later. I agree, uh, Sam. I think that uh, the window is open right now for the Raiders, um, and they've, they've done a good job of building this roster. Uh, if you could take one big swing to bring in somebody that's going to help you right now, um, you go do it, uh, especially on that offensive line. Uh, Sam, uh, our guy, Devon Cotton, has a question for you. I'm kind of guessing that it has something to do with a big fight that might be coming up uh, here this weekend. Um, I told him, don't ask you for tickets, uh, but I don't know. He might uh, he might try to pull a, uh, a a right cross on you here uh, with some ticket requests. But anyway, Dude, Devon. I don't even know. Sam, are you even going to this fight? Of course he Canelo? is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll it's a hard ticket I'll to get, man. I wasn't going to ask him that. I will be there on behalf of the Review Journal. Tremendous fight, 168-pound undisputed championship. Uh, Canelo's first time in Vegas in, in, in nearly, two, you know, almost two years now since the Kovalev fight here. And, uh, and Caleb Plant, an opportunity. He lives here, an opportunity for him to become a star. Uh, he has a crack at, at the biggest name in boxing right now. And what an opportunity for him. I think it's a great matchup and uh, a lot of theater and uh, it's going to be great energy in town. Nobody uh invigorates a crowd in boxing quite like Canelo Alvarez right now who's in his prime as the number one pound for pound fighter 
I'm going to be there, and I can't wait. All right, Sam. See, here's my question, because you remember last month where they had, like, the little pushing and shoving match, and it looked like Canelo slapped him up with a good two-piece right there. And I think I saw all I needed to see right then and there when, when they had that shoving match. Does Caleb stand a chance? Because I, I'll yeah, be honest. I, I saw that, and I was like, man, he about to get towed up. What do you think? Does he have a chance? I, yes, I think he has a chance, right, a chance. And I think style, it's because of, of they're very different stylistically. Caleb Plant is the taller fighter. He's a longer fighter. He's a little rangier. We, if, he, if he can implement a game plan where he uses his jab, he's able to move around, feign a little bit, go to the body. Um, Canelo can be hit. I mean, Canelo isn't like he's not – he's a tremendously complete fighter. He's a good defensive fighter. We know his offensive arsenal, the jab, the body punches, the counterpunching ability. We understand all that. But you can, you can get to him a little bit. Uh, in his past fights, he's been touched up, not hurt, but you can touch him up and win rounds. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders won some rounds against Canelo Alvarez. Sergey Kovalev won rounds. I think for, for Caleb Plant, it's about you have to do your best to avoid punishment, make it tricky on him, um, come at different angles, use your jab, and, and work from there. And that, that's going to give him the best chance to win. But I want to be very, very clear. This is Canelo <laughs> Alvarez we're talking about in his prime, okay, in his absolute prime. It's going to be a tall task. It's going to be a tall order. Uh, but, but stylistically, I think there's some things that Plant can do to keep him in a fight for a long time. Well, there right, you so have it. There's a chance. Sat- satisfied, Demond? Yeah. No. I no. I, I I'm a, I'm Canelo all the way. I because I just think, like I said, man, when I saw him push him and they had the and they had the slap match, I was like, yeah, Canelo two pieced him up already. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. He's fine. He's all right. So, well, I got a quick question, Sam. How much of that is oh, is serious? compared to uh, just the hype machine? When, maybe not specifically that, uh, you know, uh, interaction, but typically. What are we talking about here? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, part of, I think that boxing in general, you th- th- there's a responsibility on the fighters to sell the fight. I think that's a little different than some of the other uh, the other team sports where it's, you know, kind of a team thing and you have a league that, that helps promote and promote athletes and market the games for sure. So, yeah, I think... I think guys turn it up a little bit, um, definitely, and, and it, it creates great intrigue and drama a lot of times. I think in this particular situation, um, that was risky. That was a risky press conference because, look, if, if, if somebody gets hurt or, you, you know, he gets his eye scratched or his eye cut or something like that, uh, there goes a big, big, big payday for both guys. So that's what makes me feel like that particular press conference there's some genuine bad blood there. There's some real animosity between these two. Um, they've both been on the record that this is a personal fight for them, you know, Canelo especially, who has become a lot more talkative the last couple of years, showcasing his personality, speaking English more in interviews when, when he's in America and whatnot. Um, I, you're, you're seeing him. I, I really think there's a genuine disdain for one another uh, between these two. And, and, and that particular press conference, when there is some physical contact and some blood, like that, that, that to me signals, okay, this is turned up a little bit. This isn't just a promotion. There's real bad blood here. But but generally speaking, yeah, you know, there's some theatrics in, in boxing for sure. But I don't think this particular situation was one of them. And uh, the, the the final press conference is Wednesday. Um, I, I'm not. I don't think we're going to see any pushing or shoving or anything that could possibly jeopardize the fight. But it, 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 there's definitely a psychological element in in these press conferences where if somebody, can, if you can say something or do something that can psychologically kind of throw your opponent off before the fight, that's always that always gives you an advantage. So. Um, in general, yeah, there's there's some theatrics, but not always. And and I don't think this this fight is one where any theatrics are necessary. Well, it's all going down Saturday night um, over at uh, the MGM Grand, right? Uh, at, yes, uh, sir. At the M- 
at the MGM Grand. Uh, so uh, looking forward to that. Sam will be there on the spot, uh, providing the great coverage as he always does. Sam, thanks for, so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Take care and enjoy the fight, my brother. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great day. Talk soon. You got it. That is Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Mr. Versatility uh, does Raiders work, covers the UNLV, and is also uh, one of the best boxing writers uh, in the country. And he's all over the Canelo fight uh, on Saturday uh, over at uh, the MGM Grand. I'm going to try to find, I'm going to be in New York City or New York. uh, Yeah, New York City and hopefully find a place uh, to watch that fight. So uh, I can't wait. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on A. Monday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Von Miller to the Rams. Hey, Von Miller off the Denver Broncos. Uh, I know that Derek Carr is not unhappy about that at all. Um, that's just going to make things a little bit easier uh, on December 26th when the Raiders, as, and it's it's shaping up as a, as a big game, not necessarily from the Broncos' standpoint, but obviously sitting at 5-2, and two, uh, the Raiders want to close this deal. Um, they said from the very beginning uh, this year, that I, it wasn't necessarily playoffs or bust. Uh, I don't ever subscribe uh, to that. But the playoffs were a realistic goal and ob- objective. And I know, yo, well, Vinny, that should always be the goal. Come on. You know, let's let's face facts here sometimes. Uh, every team, there's 32 teams in the NFL. 32 teams don't make uh, the playoffs, right? Obviously. 32 teams, not all 32 teams go into a season thinking that they're going to make the playoffs. You think the Jacksonville Jaguars came into the season thinking playoffs? No, they didn't. Were they going to try to win every game to get to the playoffs? Obviously, you go out to win every single game uh, and hope for the best. But realistically, you also know mm, it's going to be a while uh, before we could be there. Um, you know, uh, not everyone thinks along those terms. And I know the Raiders from 2018 to about this year, came into each season obviously wanting to improve, obviously wanting to win as many games as possible, but realistically never really spoke the playoff word out loud because it wasn't a realistic goal. If you can't stop people, if you can't, you know, first of all, even their offense needed a lot of work when they first got here, when the, when when um, this, this group first got here. Uh, but as it went along, the defense was just, terrible and it didn't take Vince Lombardi to look at that and figure that out that that's going to be something that is going to take a couple years to get it right between draft picks free agency that sort of thing getting the right coach all those sort of things it was going to take some time so no the Raiders didn't realistically speak out loud about the playoffs in 2018 or 2019 even 2020 I how many times have I said this that behind the scenes the message that I was getting was got a long way to go and the concern in 2020 about not having a uh, OTAs in a regular offseason why because relying on so many young players especially defensively this is almost the worst thing that can happen that was in real time that was as it was going on even when they were winning football games 
this pass rush isn't going to get it done. Need to get the pass rush fixed. It's going to be something that has to be done in the offseason. That's just how it works sometimes. Um, and so they weren't, they were talking about making progress. They were talking about um, building a better foundation, building, building a stronger foundation, talking about it's going to take a little while to get the defense uh, in order. That's probably something that it's not probably that is going to be something on the to do list in 2021 uh, offseason. Sometimes you just have to be realistic about things. Otherwise, you're just, if you're not looking at things honestly, if you're not looking at yourself in the mirror honestly, um, then you're just lying to yourself. And it might sound good. It might make for headlines. It might be great. Oh, it's for the playoffs. Not everyone's thinking about the playoffs uh, to start each season because they understand that where they are in, in in real time, in reality. And it's just being honest. It's not giving up on games because, of course, you want things to work out great. Of course, you want to win every single game. That is the goal. When the when the, your 53 goes out there, or 46 or 47 or whatever it is, each Sunday, the goal is to win the game, every single game, as many as possible. But behind the scenes you're also okay got to get got to fix this this is something that we got to get to um we're not quite there yet and there's no there's no uh dishonor uh in in admitting that i think the raiders now where the raiders are right now the playoffs are more than realistic (laughs) i mean it's it would be a to me at this point it would be a surprise if they didn't make the playoffs uh, at this point and Covering this team as I have, uh, I can't say that that's a thought that's been in my head at this time of the season, the last two seasons that I've been covering them. I just, it, it would be, I just saw what I saw and I'm like, you can't go into every game needing to score 33, 34 points to win it, to give yourself a realistic chance to win it. That's what they faced every single time they took the field last year. That's not a winning formula. Um that's that's just not good. It's not a world that you want to operate in. Not of the NFL. It makes it's just a high wire act living in that world, where you got to be perfect on every possession, uh, offensively, or score on almost every possession to give yourself a realistic chance to win. Wasn't going to happen this year. I'm like, okay, this defense has shown it can be an asset now. We've talked about this. The last two weeks, wins over the Denver Broncos uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Both weeks, the Raiders gave up touchdowns to start games on opening drives to the Broncos and the Eagles. And then it wasn't until the third quarter before either team scored again. And by that time, the Raiders led 27-7 to against the Broncos and 30-7 to against the Philadelphia Eagles. That's when was the last time that ever happened? Once, let alone two weeks in a row. And when you see stuff like that, and you understand it's not a fluke, they've got the two best defensive end. They've got the best defensive end tandem in the NFL. If you're talking about who gets to the quarterback the most in terms of duos and tandems, Max Crosby and Ian Gogway are the best in the NFL. After the first seven games, they had the most quarterback pressures among any uh, defensive duo in the NFL. They've got a linebacker in Denzel Perryman who's playing lights-out football. They've got the number one-ranked cornerback in the NFL, Casey Hayward, by Pro Football Focus. They've got the number five cornerback by Pro Football Focus in Nate Hobbs. They've got an emerging young safety uh, in Trayvon um, uh, Morig. They've got a safety in Jonathan Abram, 
who, when you look at where he's ranked right now, I think it's in the 30s by Pro Football Focus. Okay, not great. But he was like in the 80s last year. He was the, he was the worst safety by Pro Football Focus in the NFL last year. That's huge improvements. You've got rotational players like Solomon Thomas, Damian Square, Darius Phylon. Quentin Jefferson's doing a good job in the interior. Casey or uh, uh, Corey Littleton is playing much more like Corey Littleton, the Rams' Corey Littleton, than the one that we watched last year in his first year with the Raiders. There's a lot to like about that defense, and it's getting the job done. And plus, you know, the best part of all, if you're a Raider fan, there's competent coaching. There's, you know, you can you can see the teaching effect of this defensive staff and how it's being applied to the field. How many times did we talk about last year when the Raiders needed to be the most connected in big money situations, third down situations, late game situations? (laughs) The Raiders fell apart in those situations last year. Why? Because there wasn't cohesiveness. There wasn't great communication. There wasn't a great understanding of what they were trying to do defensively. Um, there wasn't a good, uh, you know, uh, connection player to player. I think there was a little bit of um, skepticism from what the plan was from the top uh, when we're talking about the defensive coordinator and the game plan that he was putting together and how it filtered to his assistant coaches and down to the players. I think there was skepticism from the minute that game plan was articulated to the assistant coaches, and I think that skepticism could be heard probably echoed in, in, in very subtle way, but nevertheless, it echoed uh, in, in players' meetings out on the field, and it just it, it, was, it almost seemed like the Raiders' defensive players were playing with a level of skepticism and, um, and maybe not even a, a great understanding of what they were doing. And I think sometimes when you're skeptical of something, you're not going to buy in 100,000% like you need to. And that's going to show in how in how you play and your command of it. And you know you can you can teach or try to teach something, you know, as hard as you want to. But if if your words, if your instructions are being met by a skeptical audience, what do you think is happening? It's one ear and out the other, or retaining half of it, because you un, you're, you're already as the learner. You're, you're already closed off to it because you don't believe in it. And if you don't believe in it, you're not going to listen intently. You're not going to even want to have a full command of it. Um, it's just, it's, it's a psychological thing. But that's why coaches will always tell you the biggest factor, aside from talent, of course, and the Raiders have certainly upgraded their talent. Let's not mistake that. But, but even when you have talent, the hardest part, the key component to teaching and coaching is the buy-in factor. Once you get the player to trust what you're doing, and that's the definition of a buy-in, like I'm all in because I believe in this. Once you get that from the player, then everything else is way easier. They're going to eagerly learn they're going to um, not skeptically receive the information, but enthusiastically receive the information. Have you ever been in a class that you really loved compared to a class that you didn't? 
how much easier was it to learn when you were like, give me it all right now. I can't wait to hear more. I love this. I love this. Is This does it for me. I'm, you know, and you retain it and you talk about it and you understand it and you have a command of it. How about the class that you didn't? Maybe the teacher wasn't that good or you, or just, you know, wasn't teaching it at a, at a high level or was just something that you weren't interested in. What did you do? You tuned out. You, 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 you weren't engaged. You weren't uh, enthusiastically uh, absorbing it. And obviously, it probably made a difference, right? I'm sure it made a difference in when you looked at the grade. Now, sometimes you do the best you can, and you just plowed through it, and just in spite of it all, you know, and, and earned the best grade that you could, but it was a struggle. Imagine being a pro football player and not really um, buying into what the coach is selling. And the and and what what's Lincoln always told us? Hey, if I felt like this coach was putting me and this team in a great position to succeed, I'm going to run through the wall. I will learn it, digest it, eat it up, and then go execute it with every ounce of myself, from the learning to the practicing to the on-field execution. I am going to be all in on that. And most players. That's all they want. Are you helping me become the best player that I could possibly be? If I believe in that, if I believe in what you're asking me to do and teaching me what to do, it's all in and it's going to be great. And I'm going to execute it to my 1000% effort. If I don't, you've lost me. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. So we're talking about, um, should the Raiders make a move? Got a few minutes left in the huddle. Brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Monday. Uh, the Chiefs are hosting the New York Giants right now. Uh, obviously, the Raiders will uh, monitor that. The first place Raiders, uh, I might add, uh, the New England Patriots took care of business against the Los Angeles Chargers yesterday at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, which turned into be uh, Patriots Stadium West uh, or Foxborough Stadium West. Gillette Field, I should say, Foxborough Stadium. It's in Foxborough, uh, but Gillette Stadium West, without without question, um, heavy lean toward Patriot fans yesterday in Los Angeles. Uh, but the good news for the Raiders is they are alone in first place by a full game uh, over the, the Los Angeles Chargers. They play the Chargers again to end the season um, in January. Uh, at Allegiant Stadium here in Las Vegas. Uh, so good news, good day for the Raiders yesterday without even having to strap on one cleat or a helmet. Um, they won. And then they woke up to today's news that the Denver Broncos, um, I wouldn't say they're, well, yeah, they are. They've been throwing up the white flag. Uh, the Broncos have. They traded mainstay, stalwart, future Hall of Famer, uh, Von Miller, one of the great pass rush um, defensive ends, of his generation, uh, without question. He is now a member of the Los Angeles Rams in what looks like and is and will be a daunting Rams defense uh, with Vaughn Miller, a uh, guy by the name of Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. It's just, 
got to give the Rams a lot of credit for going for it. Uh, but circling back to the Raiders, um, you know, they've, for the last four years, they've been rebuilding um, and they've been trying to stockpile trade uh, uh, draft picks uh, in pursuit of that. And it's worked. They're, they've got a roster that has them in first place uh, in the AFC West and, you know, right in the thick of things as far as the best record in the AFC period. Those draft picks take on a different meaning now uh, for the Raiders. It's not just about bringing in a bunch of young players. Um, you, you, you know, you're always in constant rebuild mode on the back end of your roster and the development phase of your roster and trying to bring in a guy here and a guy there on a yearly basis through your draft picks that are going to help. Um, but it's not like you have to have all these draft picks now because you have to fill multiple, multiple holes. The Raiders are past that. And that's a credit to what Mike Mayock um, has done. And along with other people that were here <laughs> for the last few years, they've done that. Now they could be a little bit more aggressive in utilizing that draft pick or, or draft picks to go get proven commodities, players that can help them right now, uh, that are still young enough too. You're not trading a first round pick for a 35 year old uh, veteran. You know, you're 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 eyeing guys that are, uh, you know, in that maybe maybe getting ready to go to, to sign their their next contract and are outpricing themselves um, in their in their current situations. That's what Jalen Ramsey. That's what was happening in in Jacksonville. Um, and you know, he, he basically, I think I want to, I, I think he asked for a trade. Um, uh, but that's what happened with, with a player like that. There's players like that. We see it all the time. And the Raiders now might be in a position where as strong as they, uh, as they are in terms of their roster, could you now use a draft pick to go get something that's going to help immediately? And I think I say yes, um, without question, whether it's th at the trade deadline, it's going to be hard to pull off a trade. There's all sorts of salary cap, uh, um, you know, uh, considerations to take in, uh, to account. But, you know, when we move ahead to the off season, you know, when they start thinking about the direction that they're going to take in that regard, are you a little bit more open to utilizing a first round pick, a second round pick to go get proven commodities? I think where they are right now, the answer should be resounding. Yes. Carefully, of course, but yes, uh, absolutely. I think that they should be in that mode because I think they have a window right now that's open for them. We see it with the Kansas city chiefs. I'm not ruling them out. Um, they, they, it could turn on a dime for the Kansas city chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is that good. But that defense is so bad that it's created an opportunity for the rest of the AFC right now that the Chiefs are a little bit vulnerable, maybe even a lot vulnerable with that defense. And they're not who they've been in the last couple of years. So there's a window that's opened uh, and maybe even nudge them aside for a, a little bit. Uh, they'll get it together. They'll rebuild around, you know, one of the premier quarterbacks of his generation in Patrick Mahomes. Um, but it might take a year or so. It might take a little while. And certainly this year is wide open uh, in the AFC because the Kansas City Chiefs have shown so much vulnerability. So this is a time, if you're the Raiders, to act quickly. Don't be so in love with your first-round picks and, and, and the premium picks uh, that – you're, you're, you're so enamored with them. You're not willing um, to utilize them. And everything's an asset. I remember baseball general manager, Ned Coletti with the, with the LA Dodgers who helped build 
uh, part of what we see right now. Um, there was a lot of draft picks that Ned Kelly had. Uh, he always got the Dodgers into the playoffs. He did a good job um, in, uh, in different circumstances, too, um, compared to what ownership is now and how much money they have to spend now. Uh, but he, he, he one, one time he told me, he's like, everybody in this organization, minor leaguers um, to big leaguers, are an asset. And you have to look at it like that. They're either going to help you win on the roster or potentially help you win uh, as a trade asset to bring in parts that you might need. And you have to look at everybody in that organization from top to bottom as an asset in pursuit of the ultimate goal, and that's a championship. And so whether you're a first round pick sitting in double A, that's very, very highly regarded, but not but but might be a year or two away and can be used to go get that starting pitcher that you needed, you have to be open to doing that. You can't be so in love with your prospects, and there's a reason why they call them prospects, that you handcuff yourself into not potentially utilizing them to bring in somebody really good. The Dodgers gave up a lot to go get Mookie Betts. They also won a World Series with Mookie Betts, and he's under control now for, what, 10 years? He's one of the premier baseball players uh, on the planet, and the Dodgers were able to get him, and yes, they gave up to get him. They had to dig deep into their farm system to make that trade, but they got Mookie Betts, and that's that's you have to look at your prospects in that regard and in the nfl now i think you sometimes have to look at your it's a little bit different than baseball no question about it but in the nfl and the rams have shown this for a while now you don't there's life beyond the first round of the nfl draft there's life beyond the second round of the nfl draft they have so much confidence in what they're doing beyond just those first couple of draft picks in any particular draft. They're, they're, they're so comfortable and so confident in themselves to be able to identify good players beyond those spots in the, in, in, in the draft and then also in their ability to develop those players. It's one reason why, you know, when you start thinking about this Raiders coaching staff, I think they got the kind of coaches that they need right now from Gus Bradley and Ron Miles and Richard Smith and, and, and Rod Marinelli on the defensive side of the ball, who would you rather – those are just so – such trustworthy coaches to have to put young players into the hands of. I don't – look at Nate Hobbs. I'm not saying that Nate Hobbs wasn't a good player when he arrived. That was pretty obvious that he was. But you put him in the hands of this coaching staff that understands how to use him and how to develop him and how to get him on the right track. That is worth its price in gold. So don't be so quick to change that up necessarily by going to get a new head coach. Maybe this is the coaching staff collectively that the Raiders need right now. They're really where they need to be. So that that gives you even more confidence in, hey, if you got to trade away a first round pick, uh, and you just go really scour, uh, you know, the, the prospects and find somebody in the third round that can maybe give you what you were going to get in the first round. With this coaching staff, that's a solid bet to make. I want to say thanks uh, to Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus and Over the Cap. I want to say thanks to Sam Gordon, our great friend over at the Las Vegas Review Journal. Thanks to Devon Cotton, uh, our great producer holding things down in, uh, in, in home base. Uh, I want to say thanks to all our great listeners. Uh, Got to get back into the swing of things this week. It's a game week. 
Last week was a bye week. Uh, it's a game coming up. The New York Giants, a huge game really for the Raiders to make sure they stay on the right track because that's what this is all about now. That's what this season has turned into. Got to keep it going now uh, for the Raiders. Uh, Demond, thank you for everything that you do. Uh, thanks to Clay Baker uh, over at the OYO. Hope you have a great time. We'll see you tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Lincoln Kennedy will be back with us tomorrow, 920 a.m. Raider Nation Radio.